Well, I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to the book of Genesis. Man, what a blessing to be able to look out and see Bibles out there. Man, uh, there's just not much fun preaching to, to, to chairs, I promise you that. It's a lot, lot better preaching to people. And Genesis chapter 45, and hopefully as this pandemic calms down, as this virus, uh, you know, as God begins to take care of these things, hopefully we'll be able to, to lessen restrictions here at Calvary and be back together uh, normally. But this is a phenomenal crowd for the, our first Sunday back, and we welcome you to the Lord's house. Thank you so much for coming. I know this is a special day. This is Mother's Day, <clears throat> and occasionally God leads me that direction. But I'm going to be honest with you, God has, not really, uh, God has not really led me concerning a Mother's Day message today. It's been almost two months since we've been together as a church family physically. And, uh, and so I just, in my spirit, I felt like that God wanted us to go just a little different direction today. And so uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to preach a message to the whole, whole church family today. And not necessarily to the moms, although we sure love our mothers and we, uh, we, we welcome you and appreciate you and what you're doing for your homes and for your children. I want you to find your place in Genesis chapter 45. When you find your place, if you're able to stand, uh, if you'll jo join us all over the house in standing today, Genesis chapter 45, we're going to start in verse 16 and read down through right around verse number 24. And of course, this is the great story of Joseph, Joseph. And Joseph has become the, the second leader of Egypt. Uh, and uh, the Bible says he's become a father to Pharaoh. And uh, in Genesis 45, in verse number 16, the Bible says, And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, <clears throat> saying, Joseph's brethren are come, and it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye laid your beast, and go... Get you unto the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come unto me and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt and ye shall eat the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded, this do ye. Take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Also regard not your stuff. And I want you to notice several verses as we're reading down through here. Verse 18, I want you to really pay special close attention to verse number 18. Also, verse number 20, and Pharaoh says to them, also regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. And the children of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh and gave them provision for the way. To all of them he gave each man, uh, each man changes of raiment, and to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to his father he sent after this manner ten asses laden with the good things of Egypt and ten she asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. So he sent his brethren away and they departed and he said unto them, and here's our text, see that ye fall not out by the way. See that ye fall not out by the way. The Bible, and I'm gonna read a little further if I could this morning. Bible says, and they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan unto Jacob, their father, and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And, and when he saw the wagons, man, I can't wait to preach to you on this subject. When God loads your wagon, 
I started to preach on it this morning. I really did. And uh, I'm going to preach on that pretty soon, I think. And, uh, and they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons, which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive, and I will go and see him before I die. You may be seated this morning. And I'm going to talk to you about that subject. See that you fall not out by the way. Very important message today. I'm going to give you five points, but I don't want you to get worried. Now, some of these points, literally, some of these points are pretty much just the point. I don't have anything underneath them. Not much, anyway. And, uh, and so I'm not going to keep you along at all. We're going to be out before we normally would be, more than likely. And, but I want, to, I want to talk to you about a serious subject today. A serious subject. And uh, see that you fall not out, by the way. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this time. Father, thank you for this beautiful day of life and for the privilege to be back in God's house today. God, we sure love Calvary. Sure love our people. And uh, Lord, so many of them are such a blessing to us. Lord, I see these people more than I see my blood kin sometimes. And so, Father, I pray that you'll bless them in a very, very special way. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us through the pandemic. As far as I know, Lord, not one solitary church member in Calvary Baptist Church's family has been diagnosed with coronavirus. God, if it might be your will, I pray you'll keep it that way. And I pray you'll keep us well and healthy. And Lord, we pray for those that, uh, Lord, that, that have been sick. And we pray for those in the hospitals today that you would touch them and heal them. And we do pray for those churches, Lord, that are having a hard time today, that you would bless them. Still, there are many that are not able to meet. They're not able to have public worship today. I know Brother Zach and Miss Amber and many of those in the state of California are not able to come together yet. And God, we pray for them that you would strengthen them during these days. And so, Father, I pray that you'll knit our hearts together now as we learn a wonderful, wonderful truth from the precious Word of God. We love you, Lord, and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, amen. I want to draw your attention back to verse number 24 again, if I could. And Joseph is challenging his brothers. Of course, they thought he was dead, and now they, they figured out he's not only alive, but they figured out that he is, I mean, he is the second ruler of that part of the world. And, and he sends them back to get his father. And then he gives them quite the admonition. And I don't know that I've ever noticed this like the Lord had it stand out to me this week. Verse 24, the Bible says, So he sent his brethren away, and they departed, and he said unto them, See that ye fall not out by the way. See that ye fall not out, fellas, by the way. I, I read that several days ago, and I began to have this thought. Why would Joseph even say something like that? Why in the world would Joseph's brothers fall out now? I mean, why even remotely, what even remotely would cause these brothers to fall out by the way and not to return to Egypt. Now think with me. Everything is great. Everything is wonderful. They've literally been loaded down with blessings. We didn't read all the story today, but I'll just recap it just a little bit. The blessings of Pharaoh literally belongs to Joseph's brothers. They found out now that their brother is the second leader 
of Egypt only under the Pharaoh. And, and, and you understand that back in that day, I'm not saying this is right. It's not right. Of course it's not right. But back in that day and time, that the Egyptians literally, they literally felt like Pharaoh was a deity. They felt like he was a god. They called him Ra. And, and here Joseph is only second under Pharaoh. They've been guaranteed a place at their return. Pharaoh himself has said, when you come back, I'll have you a place for you to live. They've had a, a great reunion with their brother. By the way, that could have went really bad. <laughs> if Joseph would have wanted to, he could have whacked off their heads just like that. And no one would have debated. No one could have debated. No one would have asked any questions. Joseph had that kind of power. He had that kind of authority. And yet, and yet God has given Joseph and his brothers a glorious reunion. They've been saved from the guillotine. They've been saved from the hangman's noose. They've been rescued from a horrible famine. There's a, probably one of the worst famines that's ever come has come on the earth. And yet, you know what? Now they've been guaranteed that they've got plenty of food, plenty of provision, and plenty of sustenance. And I wrote this down in big, bold letters. Basically, the brothers of Joseph have been given a blank check by Pharaoh himself. Did you, did you read that this morning? Notice if you will, verse number 20. I guess we didn't read this maybe, but verse number 20, and Pharaoh says to them, he says, also <clears throat> regard not your stuff for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. In other words, fellas, don't even worry about bringing your stuff back. When you, got, when you get back, everything's yours. The fat of the land is yours. The grain is yours. The fields are yours. The livestock are yours. You know, if anybody, if anybody should have been singing zippity doo da zippity day, Joseph's brother should have. I mean, man, everything's great. You understand how bad this could really be? But yet, man, it's like God has turned this thing completely around and they are experiencing the blessing of Almighty God. So here's a question. Why in the world would Joseph give these boys an admonition and say, hey, brothers, see that you fall not out by the way. You see, there's just one thing standing between them and blessing. You know what it is? Confession. Confession. These boys know that, you know what? They're heading home to dad. And before they can receive the blessing that's coming their way, there's one thing they have to do. Joseph has said, hey, fellas, go home and get daddy and bring daddy back. And daddy thinks Joseph is dead. Most of you know that story. It's a pretty familiar story in our Bible. And how you remember the story where Joseph was just a young man and he came to his brothers and his brothers despised him and, uh, and Jacob had made him his coat of many colors and the Bible says that Jacob loved Joseph above his brothers. I know that's not right, but uh, he was just a beloved little son and, and he, had, he had made Joseph this coat of many colors and the Bible says that, uh, that Jacob sent Joseph down to check on his brothers and as he came down to his brothers, they said, man, here comes the dreamer, here comes the dreamer and they said, man, let's just kill him. Let's just kill him. Then they said, no, let's don't kill him. Let's just throw him into the pit and we'll sell him 
as a slave. You know the story. Sure enough, Joseph is sold into slavery. He winds up in Egypt in the house of Potiphar and, uh, and, and, and his brothers, his wicked brothers, take his coat of many colors and they, 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 they tear it up and they dip it into the blood of a goat and, and they take it home and they say, Dad, we found this coat of many colors. Evidently, Jacob's been killed by a wild animal. Evidently, he's been eaten alive. And the Bible says that Jacob is, of course, brokenhearted and he mourns for many, many days. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. Now it's time for those brothers to go home and say, hey, Dad, guess what? Brother's alive. Joseph is alive. You understand that they're going to have to be honest with their dad. They're going to have to now confess. They're going to have to tell dad, dad, it was all made up. It was all a lie. Joseph really didn't die. A wild animal didn't really get Joseph. We're the ones that tore up his coat. We're the ones that dipped it into blood. They're going to have to come clean and admit their sin before they can move forward. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's why Joseph said, fellas, don't fall out, by the way. You see, some, some believe that probably between Egypt and Canaan, probably about 200 miles, some say more than that, about 200 miles, probably took them 10 days, 10 days to get there. Can you imagine those 10 days? Can you imagine the dread? Can you imagine the regret? Can you imagine the embarrassment as they're thinking, man, what in the world are we going to tell Dad? How are we going to explain our way out of this? I mean, how are we going to tell him that Joseph is yet alive? But confession time had come. Now I want to give you real quickly this morning, I want to give you several lessons concerning this thing of confession. And I think they're super important. Number one is this, confession is often avoided. Did you know that was a possible option? It was a possible option. Joseph said, fellas, go get daddy. Come back and you'll be blessed. But they knew they had to confess. But that was an option. I guess the, his brothers could have said, well, you know what? Maybe we'll just not tell dad. Maybe we'll just not go back to Egypt. I guess we can just stay down here and starve. I guess we can just stay down here and struggle. I guess we, uh, you know what? We'll, we'll never come clean. And, and, and uh, you know what? We'll just, you know, we'll just let the chips fall where they may. And and, uh, and, and we'll just do the best that we can. And they could have stayed down there uh, in Canaan in that famine. They could have uh, uh, brought bad things upon their family. And, uh, and man, how terrible that would have been. But the truth of the matter is, did you know that's what a lot of Christians choose? Did you know rather confess and get right with God that a lot of Christians hold on to that sin they hold on to that, that issue and rather than get right with the Lord and be honest with the Lord and get it confessed and get it under the blood, did you know a lot of people just hold on to that sin and hold on to that sin and hold on to that sin and never confess their sin and they bring curses on their family and problems in their home and issues into their marriage when all they should have done was just get right with God, come clean with the Lord and everything would have worked out just fine. When I thought about confession being avoided, I thought about a little funny story. Uh, not funny to you probably, but funny among our family. And so many years ago when Zach was just a little thing, just a little kid, Zach was our, well, I hope Zach's not watching right now. Zach was our, 
He was our problem kid. I mean, he really was. He, he was our trouble kid. Zach was, the, uh, Zach was the colicky kid. I mean, he, he was the one that cried morning, noon, and night. I mean, he just cried all the time. And man, we would, uh, we'd do anything, try to get some relief. Uh, it, it was just, it was horrible. Any of you parents that had kids that had colic, you know what I'm talking about. But he was not just a colicky kid. He was just a, he was stubborn. He was a, I mean, he was. He was I mean, I love him to death. And, but, he, but he was a problem kid. That's probably why I turned out to be a preacher, you know. And, uh, and the, the, you know what? And if you're, you're stubborn and problematic, you turn out to be a preacher. And if you're really stubborn and problematic, well, you usually turn out to be a deacon. But, you know, but anyway, he was. Man, you ask my wife. He was. Uh, he had a rod up his back. I remember one time my wife can confirm the story. That, that I made Zach sit in his high chair for over an hour simply because he would not say, yes, sir. Now, he could say it. He was talking. He could say it very easily, but he just wouldn't say it. It wasn't that he couldn't say it, but he wouldn't say it. And I would say, son, just say yes, sir. As soon as you say yes, sir, I'm going to let you get down and go play. And boy, he wouldn't say it. He was determined to be stubborn. He was determined he wasn't going to do it. He was determined he was going to do his own thing and, uh, and sat up in that high chair for over an hour. Now, you say, preacher, what is your point? My point is this. A lot of Christians choose to do the same thing. When something comes into their life and the Spirit of God comes and reminds them of that sin, he rebukes them for that sin rather than get it right. They sit in that, that spiritual high chair uh, for days and days and sometimes years and years and years and never get it right with God and never confess their sin. And they suffer and suffer and many times their family suffers and this is all I'm saying, man, if God convicts your heart, just get right. Oh, listen, if the Spirit of God convict, convicts you of sin, be, be quick to confess it and get right with the Lord. And may I say this, be specific in your confession. Be specific in your confession. Now, here's the truth of the matter is, church, God already knows what you've done anyway. But he wants to hear you. Admit it. So a lot of people come to the Lord and say, all right, Lord, I blew it. And that's good. But God wants you to tell him what you've done. Well, I don't know. I don't understand why. <laughs> Listen, you know what? If you ever have children, that'll be one of your greatest spiritual lessons you've ever had in your life. If your kid comes home and says, Daddy, I got suspended for three days. What'd you do? Well, I just did something. You know what you're going to say? What did you do? I want to know what you've done. And you know what? God wants to hear you. He wants to hear you confess your sin. He wants you to be specific. I thought about the fellow, you know, who, who uh, got you feeling really, really bad. And he went to his boss man and he said, uh, listen, I've got to make a confession. And his boss man will say, well, what is it? He said, well, he said the other day, he said, I stole I stole one of your robes. And I'm sorry, I apologize. I want you to forgive me. The boss man said, well, well, thank you for being honest. He said, you're forgiven. But the guy went away and he still felt bad. And the reason he felt bad is because, yes, he did admit to the boss man that he stole one of his robes. But he did not mention that there was a cow attached to the end of the rope. And so you know what? God wants us to be specific. 
when we confess our sins. Uh, confession is often avoided. How about this quickly? Confession is attached to a promise. First John 1, 9, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And somebody says, preacher, do you think if I went and asked the Lord to forgive me, do you think he would? I don't think he would. I know he would. Because that is attached to a promise. And God said this, if you'll just get honest, if you'll just get real, if you'll just come before me and humble yourself and say, Lord, I messed up. Lord, I blew it. Lord, I said something I shouldn't have said. I did something I shouldn't have done. I looked at something I shouldn't have looked at. I went somewhere I shouldn't have went. I, I acted a way I shouldn't have acted. And, and Lord, I want you to forgive me. God said, hey, I've got a promise that goes along with that. And the promise is this. I promise I'll cleanse you and I'll forgive you. You know one thing that's so great about the Lord is that his mercy is new every single day. Now, we ought to live a holy life. Y'all understand that, don't you? Well, I've been praying here recently. I've been praying this prayer. Lord, help me in living the sanctified, separated Christian life. We have a responsibility to be holy. We have a responsibility to be Christ-like. We have a responsibility to to make sure that our life doesn't have sin inside it. But I do want you to understand this morning that if something happened and you blew it, hey, I've got some great news. His mercies are new every single day. Well, you say, Pastor, I came last week and I, and I messed up and I confessed it to the Lord. And, but here, I, I, here I, I, I fell right back into something and, and I don't know what to do now. I'll tell you what to do. Just go back and confess it again and thank God his mercy was new last week, but his mercy is new again today and his mercy will be new again tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Lamentations 3.22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fell not. They are new every morning. And then the Bible says, great is thy faithfulness. And I want to tell you, I serve a faithful God today. Confession is often anointed. Confession is attached to a promise. Let me just give you this one to go to the next one. Number three, confession is always available. Psalm 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. Isaiah 38, 17, behold the peace for peace I have had great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. Listen to this. Isaiah said, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. And one of my absolute favorite passages of scripture is Psalm 103. I guess maybe because I've had to claim it so many times. Psalm 103. In verse 11, the psalmist said, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame for he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. You know what the Lord was saying there when you come to me and say, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. I want you to forgive me. God says, I know what you're made of. I made you. You're made out of flesh. 
And so I want, us, I want us to understand that confession is always available. How about this number? Number four, confession acknowledges our condition. Someone said that confession, get this now, someone said that confession is me admitting I am wrong and that God is right. And I think that's probably where the problem comes in. A lot of times we just don't want to admit we're wrong. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? A lot of times we just don't want to admit that we're wrong. And somebody said confession is admitting that I am wrong and that God is right. The actual word confess in the word of God, it means to admit or declare oneself guilty. I read a story this week about the Prussian king, Frederick the Great. Frederick the Great. He was touring in prison in Berlin. And as he made his way through this prison and the people knew, the, the inmates knew that the king had come, they began to fall down before him on their knees and they said, King, have mercy on me. I, I should not be in this prison. Have mercy on me. I'm an innocent man. I've been falsely accused. One after one after one, those men came before the king. As he made his way through that prison, he noticed though that there was one man over to the side who had not said a word. And it caught his attention. And he said to that man, he said, and sir, he said, why are you here? And that inmate said this, he said, armed robbery, your majesty. The king replied, are you guilty? And he said, yes, indeed, your majesty. I deserve my punishment. Instantaneously, the king called for the jailer and he said, Jailer, set this man free. I don't want this wretch in here in this prison corrupting all these other wonderful men inside this prison. You see, confession acknowledges our condition. But let me close just for a moment. Let me close with this last point. Not only confession is often avoided, Confession is attached to a promise. Confession is always available. And confession acknowledges our condition. But last of all, I want you to notice here that confession causes an advancement. I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, please, and turn to the book of Daniel. To the book of Daniel with me, and we're going to be done. Daniel chapter number 9. Daniel chapter number 9. And I want you to find your place, if you will, please, in verse number 20. Daniel chapter 9. And verse number 20, I believe without a, without a shadow of a doubt that Daniel was greatly beloved of the Lord and partly because Daniel was a man that was involved in regular confession. Daniel 9, verse number 20. Listen to what our Bible says. Daniel 9, verse number 20. And Daniel said, and whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. Look at the next few words. He says to Daniel, at the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee 
For thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. You know what I believe today, church? I believe that Daniel's humility and confession got the attention of an almighty God. No doubt about it. Would you take your Bibles one last place? Would you take your Bibles, turn over to Luke 15? When we we begin to think about confession, and we begin to think about confession brings an advancement, it brings blessing. Well, automatically almost our, our attention goes to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, of course, is the story of the prodigal son. Here's this young man that has squandered his living. He's went down to the far country. He's wasted it now. He's living in the pig pen. But look what happens. Luke chapter 15, verse 21. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned. I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Look what happened, church. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And this is all I'm trying to say this morning, church, is this. That when we get... When we open up and get real with the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not going to try to hide it. I'm not going to try to cover it up. I, I messed up. And, I, and Lord, you're right and I'm wrong. And I want you to forgive me. Brother, I'm telling you what. When you and I confess our sins to a holy and a righteous God, I believe business is about to pick up. And you know what? It gets the, the, the blessing of the Lord. It gets the advancement of God when we're willing to confess our sin. Listen to me now. And maybe somebody's watching today by way of live stream and there's something in your life and you refuse refuse, refuse, refuse to get it right. I'm telling you, it's not going to do anything but bring famine and suffering and problems. And oh, listen, if we'll just humble our heart to God and say, God, you're right and I'm wrong and I did wrong and I I want you to forgive me. I'm telling you, God will bless you for that. Confession. Confession brings an advancement. I don't know how how many history buffs we've got out there today. Boy, anybody like history? I love history. I read a great story this week. It was 1884. Grover Cleveland was running for the presidency of the United States. And and, uh, anyway, by the way, he was a bachelor at the time when he ran for president. It was found out, so people began to do some digging, and it was found out that Grover Cleveland had had a relationship with another young lady and he fathered a child out of wedlock. When his opponents found that out, they thought, this is what we need. This is the bullets we need to take care of Grover Cleveland. And so they begin to slander him and they begin to criticize him. And in fact, they came up and you, you, understand, you understand, this sounds a little corny to you, but this was 1884. They came up with a little slogan that said this. It said, Mama, where's my pa going to the White House? Ha, ha, ha. In other words, they tried to just plaster it everywhere. Here's a guy running for the presidency of the United States who had an affair or had an, wasn't married but had a relationship and fathered a child out of wedlock. They thought, this is it. This is the death nail for Grover Cleveland. You know what happened? 
Grover Cleveland did something that nobody expected. He came out and said, they're right. He said, they're right. I'm not going to try to cover it up. He said, America, I did wrong. And I want, to, I want the American people to forgive me. Did you know that that resonated with the American people so much that Grover Cleveland went on to win the presidency of the United States of America? You know why? Because confession brings advancement. When you just get honest and say, Lord, I messed up. And I want you to forgive me. By the way, how many know this? How many, last time I looked, I don't see anybody perfect in here this morning, including the guy that's talking to you. We're all just a bunch of sinners saved by the good grace of God. If we got what we deserved, we'd be in hell. I, I'm glad the ground is level at the foot of the cross. No man stands higher than I. I can call on Jesus' name and a king can do the same. I'm just telling you, brother, listen, we're all saved by grace. We're all sinners. We all deserve hell. But thank God, hallelujah, for the good forgiveness of the Lord. And if you're here this morning or somebody watching today by way of live stream, and God has, the Spirit of God has reminded you of something. He's brought up something in your mind and, and he, he reminded you, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have went that direction. You shouldn't have treated them like that. You shouldn't have taken that. You know what? It's very important that we confess. Get it right. And if you do, God is gracious to forgive. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house this morning, Father? Thank you so much for this time we've had together today as a church family. It's been absolutely golden. God, we thank you for the privilege to preach thy word. And God, I pray that you'll take what's been given through music, through singing, through fellowship, and now, Lord, through the preaching and teaching of the word of God, I pray that you'll take it. And God, I pray that you'll use it for your glory and honor. Father, it could be there's somebody in this crowd today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. It could be there may be somebody watching today by way of live stream that doesn't know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. I pray today would be the day they, that they would accept Christ. Lord, would you help them to realize that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Lord, because of that sin, we deserve to go to hell. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God, we're so thankful that you've made a way through your son, Jesus Christ. But God committed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, would you help those that are lost today to realize that you love them so much you gave your son for them. And right now, Lord, I pray they'll open their heart and life to thee. I pray they'll confess their sin. I pray right now they're asking you to forgive them. And Lord, I pray that even now they're inviting you to come into their heart and life and be their savior. 
Lord, I pray it's happening even now. God, it could be there's somebody in this auditorium that needs to just make their way down to an old-fashioned altar. It's been at least two months since we've been able to do that. Maybe someone today just needs to come and find a place and just do business with the Lord. It might be concerning something the pastor preached on. It may be something I didn't preach on. But I pray you'll help them to come. God, work in hearts. Save the lost. Encourage the saved. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Would you stand with us all over the house today? And if the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart, I'm going to invite you to come right now. I want you to come. I want you to come. Find a place. If you need help, we're here to pray with you. Let's come do business with the Lord today. We're just going to keep our heads bowed for just a moment. And uh, listen, folks are coming. Folks are coming. How about you? If you need to be saved, whatever you do, don't you stay in your place. I want you to come right now. We want to take the Bible and show you how to be born again. Would you come? Would you come while we wait today?